0: Developed for Medical Educators podcast series from the Frank H. Netter, MD, School of Medicine. This podcast is for busy medical school faculty who want to expand their knowledge in teaching. I'm your host, Dr. Lisa Coplett, and I will bring you interviews with experts in medical education, fellow faculty, and medical students to discuss the issues most relevant to today's medical educators. Today, we are talking about mentoring, what it means to be a mentor and how we can be as effective as possible in this role in which so many of us serve. Faculty are mentors to students, residents, other faculty, other health professions colleagues, and often a combination of all of those groups. Particularly because our mentoring relationships are confidential and tend to be one-on-one encounters, it's often a part of our careers that we don't share very much with others. Today's podcast will give us a chance to think about this important part of our professional identities. Joining me today are Drs. Jennifer Rockfeld and Catherine McLeod. Dr. Rockfeld is a general internist and our assistant dean for clinical curriculum, She previously worked in graduate medical education as an associate program director, and she mentors medical students formally and informally during their residency application process and as a capstone mentor. Dr. McLeod has a Ph.D. in epidemiology and behavioral medicine and is the director of our scholarly reflection and concentration capstone course at Netter. She serves as a capstone mentor to several students and is the co-chair of the mentoring program for the Department of Medical Sciences. Jen and Catherine, welcome. Thank you, Lisa.
1: Thanks, Lisa. It's great to be here.
0: Well, I am really happy for both of you to be here and to have this conversation. And I think, Catherine, I'm going to start by asking you a question. So my question is, what what is a mentor? There's just so many definitions. And so, of course, there isn't one right definition. But what is your definition of a mentor? And what do you also see as the scope of a mentor's role?
1: I agree with you. There are a lot of definitions and practices of mentoring. Um, But I think that all of them really place value on a mentor being an, an experienced, trusted, um, committed, and engaged advisor. So someone who who really positively influences your personal and professional growth um, as a mentee. Um, in terms of the scope of a mentor's role, I think it, it the the scope is really to advocate. To, to guide and motivate and support. Um, role modeling is a big aspect of this. Uh, helping mentees to set goals, build professional networks, advance in their careers, develop their skills, and so on. I also, I, I think that in, in,
0: in most definitions that I've read, they talk about distinguishing a mentor from an advisor, or other types of definitions, um, in, in that it's a longitudinal relationship. Absolutely. So you're sort of in it for a, some long-term chunk of time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Longitudinal so, and, and, and reciprocal. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and tell me something
1: about that. When, tell me about the reciprocal piece. Um, in terms of reciprocal, I think it, it, it's really a, a mentor-mentee relationship is um, a really a mentorship, so one in which um, both in the mentor and the mentee are um, are gaining from the experience.
0: I'm gonna definitely come back to that because I'm gonna want to okay. ask you a little bit about that later. Who are your mentors? I'm going to, st- I'm going to st- ask both of you, I guess I'll start with mm-hmm. Catherine, but who were your mentors? Like if you could say thank you publicly on this podcast, right, to one mentor for their impact on your life, who would that be and why?
1: Gosh, that's a, tr- that's a tough question too. I, I consider myself fortunate. My mentoring network is quite diverse in terms of, the structure of my mentorships, you know, the areas in which I receive mentoring, and even the quality of the mentorship, which can, as we all know, can change over time. So it really has grown and continues to evolve as I continue to develop in my professional and personal life. I really think that rarely can one person give you everything that you need to to grow professionally or personally. Um, I've I've had uh, really the majority of my mentors over the years have largely it just so happens been female in in leadership roles, but of various ages and and race and ethnicities, and with all very unique life stories. That all said, if I had to thank one mentor who is consistently devoted you know quality mentorship and mentoring in a number areas of my life so a primary mentor if you will it would actually be a family member and it would be my father um and and he really has served as my my anchor uh you know as a sounding board um he serves as a, a champion so really is my advocate and 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 has my back offers honest feedback um Content expertise. Uh, he's mentored me in my professional development, and and then really um, guides on the side when it comes to my decision making, which I really value. I love that you're bringing up the fact that um,
0: a mentor can be anybody in yes. your life. <laughs> That's so great, Jen. Who would be your one thank you? or I guess two, if you really need to.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I fully agree with Catherine. I've had so many mentors, both formal and informal mentors throughout my life. And I love that hers is her family member. Um, I'll point out somebody who really was my first formal mentor. So in residency, we were assigned to an advisor and I really didn't meet with my advisor for quite some time. And I kept on meeting with a a faculty member who I worked closely with in the ambulatory care setting, Dr. Jenny Lin. And I found that she was really a positive role model and I wanted to tap into her more. And I asked her if she could be my mentor. And I think at that point, I had never had someone who really explained to me what a formal mentorship looks like. And she really laid it out for me. And she made it clear that this was a reciprocal relationship that I would bring to it and take from it. And so would she. And, and that there would be a process. And she gave me homework in between our mentorship meetings. And it was a longitudinal relationship that still serves me today. I spoke to her as recently in the past year. Um, and she just um, was the first person who pushed me to really self-assess my career goals and then helped drive me in the direction that I wanted to go in. You know, she I was the one setting it. I was setting the agenda. Um, she gave me the homework to push me forward. And that that really formed my idea of what a mentorship relationship could be. And I, I do want to point out also that, Dr. Coplet, you are a wonderful mentor to me as well. And what I think you've taught me is that sometimes mentorship relationships can morph into friendships, which is wonderful. But in our mentorship relationship, you always put me first, even when it may conflict with your needs. And that's really um, something selfless that I've seen in mentors. That even if it's something that doesn't benefit them, they're they're there to support you, and
0: you do that. And I'm very appreciative of it. Okay, well, I did not expect that. So they- <laughs> I don't even know what to say. That is just the highest praise, and I thank you so. I thank you so much for saying that. Um, th- that's incredibly kind. And Jenny Lynn just so ha- so it just so happens that it just so happens that Jen did her residency at Mount Sinai in New York when I was a faculty member there, and we didn't really know each other very well. We just sort of crossed paths. Um, but I know Jenny, and she's amazing, and I am so happy to hear to hear you mention her, and I know she's going to be thrilled to hear that feedback. I think mentoring is one of those things it's like teaching in that. We don't mentor for accolades. Or for um, monetary reasons, just like we don't teach for those reasons either. And when a mentee, just like when a learner says to us, you made a difference in my life, it means everything. Mm-hmm. It really is so reciprocal. Um, So Jen, I'm going to come around to you. You do a lot of career mentoring for students, not, and as a formal career advisor, we have those as well, but you have a lot of students who come to you in their clerkship years who are interested in internal medicine. What, what have you found that students in their clerkship years are looking for the most in their mentors? Yeah, well,
2: I think students are really searching for some guidance and I think that anyone who has been through the process that they've been through and has come out on the other side can provide that guidance to them. And it's really important to listen to their needs and help them prioritize their goals. I think students really um, appreciate someone who's honest with them. So I really try to practice supportive honesty. So, you know, supportive doesn't just mean saying yes to everything they, they want. Same with your children, right? Sometimes you need to be honest and say, you know, I don't, I don't, see that this is an option for you right now, but let's look at these other options and be clear with them. And I think students really appreciate that um, when you help steer them in the right direction to get to their ultimate goal. And you know, success is so different for everybody. So really helping them define what their success is and helping them achieve it can be huge. And the the last thing I wanna say is that medical students are extremely hard on themselves, as are many of us who go into this Mm -hmm. career path. And, you know, I really sometimes work with them. They think they're trying to portray what the program wants. They're trying to say what they think someone wants to hear. And I had one student who um, was struggling in medical school and sought medical help and was put on medication. And it helped them become much more success- successful in in studying for tests. And they wanted to know how to explain this dramatic improvement in their test-taking ability. And they were trying to come up with all these stories to explain it. And I said, Tell the truth. I mean, I would want any resident who identified that they were struggling, sought out care, tried a new treatment, and did better as a result. That's a wonderful quality. So I think sometimes you really have to explain to them to be themselves and the programs that want them will want them. And those are the programs they should go to.
0: Mm-hmm. That's oh that's such good advice. Such good advice. I really like that supportive honesty. Um and Jen, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you this next question too, and that is I, I like to think about these types of questions often. So imagine you could go back and talk to yourself at the very beginning of your faculty career, right? You've just finished residency, and you could give yourself sort of one piece of advice as a mentor. Sort of what is that? What is something that you would do differently, or that piece of advice that you would give to yourself? Yeah.
2: So so I think early in your career, especially, you think you need to have all the answers, right? To teach, to mentor, you think you have to be all knowledgeable, or else people won't trust in you. And I think in mentorship, what I've learned is that you don't need to have the answers, you need to have the questions, you need to know those correct questions to ask someone to probe deeper to get them to think, you know, to get them to to really decide what they want to do with their lives and what looks like success to them, because my answers are not your answers. And I think it took me a while to, to realize that. And I was, you know, giving too much information when I really should have been sitting back and listening and reflecting back to them and Mm -hmm. helping them find their own path.
0: I asked this question to myself too. And, and that's exactly what I came up with was that I would listen a lot more than talk. Mm-hmm. And I agree. I think the talking came from a place of thinking, oh, well, we are in your faculty member, then that's when you have the answers. That's what they're coming to you for. Um, and in fact, it's I mean, it's very similar to, to patient care. Right. When you even think about it, I'm sort of it's just in the moment that's coming to me. Right. Is that people really they, they need you to listen to them. So you being a sounding board and helping to reflect back to them what you're hearing and what you're hearing that they prioritize i think that's really so key and something that i could have done better
2: yeah i think i think that mentoring is a lot like being a primary care doctor as i am you know when my patients set these goals for themselves and i help support them and then they come to me and they've achieved them
0: mm-hmm. you know it's the same
2: thing with my students that's that gives me the most joy to see them define what they want to do, and help them yeah. along the way to achieve it.
0: Yeah. And I, and and so often, I, I, I don't know how many times I say this every year, and I don't know that it always gets through, but I so often say, you know, you have to define success for yourself, and success is happiness. It's mm-hmm. nothing more, it's nothing less. So success is only getting into that most prestigious residency program if that really, truly you think will result in happiness, right? But there are other mm-hmm. things that contribute to happiness too. So if it's important to you that you have your family near you, then that's important to you and that's going to contribute to your happiness and therefore your success. You know, so that's how often I think it helps to navigate towards that place of what someone really wants. It takes a lot, quite a lot of um, tough asking yourself some tough questions. Yeah. So I, I wanted to turn a little bit to faculty mentoring. Um, I do think it feels a little different for most of us. And, and there is a fairly robust literature on the benefits of faculty mentoring. And it's been shown to have a significant positive impact on mentees' academic career success, um, on their promotion, on their personal development, in scholarly productivity, in grant funding. In career satisfaction and in retention, and so we know that it makes a difference. Um, And so, Catherine, I wanted to ask you because you've you know worked so hard along with um, Kelly Cruzier, our other co-chair of our faculty mentoring program in medical sciences, and helping faculty think about this. um, Do you think that mentoring our peers is? Um, different than mentoring trainees.
1: Hmm. I do in some aspects, and and that's I guess if we we define peer mentoring as a a mentorship between two faculty of of equal or near equal rank, for example. Um, I think in mentoring our peers, it's often in sort of a co-pilot structure where the mentorship is quite reciprocal. You're committed to supporting one another, sharing ideas, perhaps collaborating and holding each other accountable. Um, whereas mentoring trainees, I think centers a bit more in my experience on, on support um, on role modeling and, and on personal development and professionalism and, um, as well as in goal setting, so, so helping trainees achieve um, or, or really set and achieve short and, and long-term goals. Um, perhaps Jen can weigh in a bit more on that. Yeah, no, I, I,
2: I agree. I think that it's interesting because the mentorship program that you've set up at our institution, my mentee is actually a lot more advanced in her career than, than I am. And that was really difficult for me at first. I thought it was an error that I was paired with this very established um, professor. and but our our relationship, it's it's it doesn't matter in terms of the ranking, and it just really matters what what we said before to to listen and to hear her needs and to help her with what what she could benefit from. Um, I think that one difference I've noticed is that she is really clear in her needs, because of her years of experience. So she is really mm-hmm. able to articulate to me um, what would be helpful to her, because she's just been doing this for so long. Whereas when I work with earlier learners, I think sometimes I really, they, they just have so much, there's so much ahead of them. And it's so hard for them to really focus on how you could help them. So you need to shape that a little bit more than I do in my in my peer mentoring, where it's it's just it's a little bit the uh, a little bit more on their part in terms of what how they can benefit from you and I think with my students some of them know and some of them don't know what they can get from a mentorship relationship and you're really teaching them how right. to be a mentee and that's what you mentioned, Catherine, in terms of that professional identity formation. That's a really big part of mentoring students. Wow,
0: those were th- that was. I think those were both such helpful answers because they really help crystallize. There are some differences. And, and I do think I, I totally agree with both of you. I do think that it goes back to that. I'm here for you and having that, that's a real luxury to have time with somebody to just think about what you're looking for personally and professionally. Um, and and then Jen, you brought up the reverse mentoring, so I wonder, Catherine, um, since that's sort of a that's become a formal part of our mentoring program, can you just talk just a touch about what reverse mentoring
1: is? Absolutely. So, it's it's a, I would say relatively new um, mentorship model where the junior faculty member mentors a faculty member of a more senior rank. Oftentimes the the junior faculty is like access for expertise or skills and um, and uh, perhaps in more technical areas um, and of that nature.
0: So maybe there's somebody who is, you know, we had to we had to flip over the last couple of years, you know, to online learning. Maybe there's somebody who's right. It just has great expertise in Mm -hmm. online teaching.
1: Right. And exactly. they could,
0: you know, become a, a, quote, reverse mentor, you know, for right. somebody. Yeah.
1: There's a lot of advantages to reverse mentoring. Um, you know, it, it it really helps to increase the awareness of early career faculty and it helps to, it, it's been shown to help ensure um, current knowledge of organizational culture and trends and, um, and and help to create openness for our senior faculty to new ideas and perf- perspectives and and things like that. So, mm-hmm. I and
0: I remember that's a great point. Because, and I also remember a study from a while back, um, and it was uh, looking at full professors in an academic medical center and asking them whether or not they wanted whether they had mentors and whether they wanted mentors. I don't remember now the number on whether they had mentors, it wasn't very high. Um, But I remember that the majority wanted mentors. And I really do think that senior faculty are often a sort of forgotten bunch um, when it comes to mentoring. Yes, and I, I would add
2: that looking at that women in leadership positions, Sometimes it's very hard for them to find um, mentors that are more senior than they are um, because they're really, you know, entering new territory in terms of their leadership positions. So I and I I would probably say the same for minorities or other people who aren't as represented in leadership positions. So I think that the idea of reverse mentoring and what you can get from that relationship is really interesting and something I had never considered until I became, I guess, a reverse mentor.
0: Yeah, that's that's another absolutely great point. Thank you for bringing that up. I really appreciate that. Um so, Catherine, I'm going to come back to you for a sec and ask you to, um, you know, there is just such a, a, a robust literature around mentorship, and and so in an evidence as an evidence based response, right? Um, if somebody were to say to you, you know, I really want to start thinking about my mentoring um, more sort of systematically, and so so what are some of the really important things that I should be doing? to be an effective mentor? What's what's the evidence-based answer to that?
1: Right. So some characteristics have have definitely been found to be universally important um, with the acknowledgement that mentee commitment and willingness to actively engage in the mentorship is essential as well as as these attributes of of an effective mentor. Um, But certainly being approachable and accessible is one key attribute um, encouraging open communication with the mentee, and um, and and demonstrating respect. And this is is really done by maintaining confidentiality, being open, being honest. Um, effective mentors are are altruistic. So they, they really focus on the mentee and their goals and within that provide professional and personal support, provide feedback, and and really have a, a willingness to help mentees develop their professional network. So so in the literature, those would really be some of the key attributes of, of effective mentors. That's great. Um and and it is helpful to think about everything we
0: do in that evidence-based mm-hmm. way, right? right? Or even to validate the things we assume are helpful because <laughs> those yeah. all make sense right but we actually it's been yeah. those have been shown to be really helpful I would love to ask you the same question that I asked Jen earlier thinking about um, from everything that you've learned in serving as a mentor and I would say in serving as a mentor and also to let our listeners know that you actually oversee this massive mentorship enterprise beyond the, the faculty mentoring program, the SRCC course is—I mean, how many mentors are in it?
1: Thousands, yeah, thousands, right?
0: And right. so the, that course is all about mentoring, yeah. and mm-hmm. so really helping people to be great mentors. So you—you've had like this pers- this really incredible perspective of sort of overseeing mentoring in all these different ways. But if you could go back to the beginning of your career. What is one thing that you think you might do differently as a mentor, as a junior faculty member?
1: It's funny you ask because I, I it would be very similar to what Jen and and you both mentioned earlier. Um, mentoring is is. It's very much reciprocal, and that's come up through is it, throughout our conversation today. I, I benefit and learn so much from my mentees, um, but really recognizing as I've grown in my experiences as a mentor and as a mentee over the years, I don't have all the answers, as Jen said earlier. And reflective listening is so important to help steer my mentees in the direction that they want to go in. So asking a lot of questions that generate positive awareness in in, in an effort to really value and learn from one another's perspectives and experiences, I've I've learned that that's ultimately the key to building trust and and a a healthy mentorship and and so that's really what I one thing I would do differently um, earlier in my career is to to essentially ask a lot of questions, ask for feedback as well. Um, uh, so it really falls in line with what you both said earlier. That's super interesting that
0: we all that we all had the <laughs> same response to that question. Um, there's been so much um, uh, talk and sort of an emergent movement um, within medical education over the last few years around coaching. So I'm not even going to open the can of worms of like the difference between coaching and mentoring and advising and all those pieces. But a lot of what we're talking about, about what we've found to be most useful, and the evidence-based um, recommendations of what's most useful, and thinking about helping helping mentees to, to figure out what their goals are, um, and then being helping them to reflect on those goals and helping them to figure out the best path to get there. Um, That's actually pretty easy that I've found, and I know all of us have also done some faculty development around this. It's easy to talk about, and it's not as easy to do. So I was just wondering if we could maybe throw out some sort of starter questions that we like, so what might somebody ask a mentee to help them figure out what their goals are? What kinds of questions do you think are most helpful to either one of you? So that's a big question,
2: and I'm tr- and you know I really think as we teach in our communication skills course, that I really start so open ended with the with with getting to know my my mentee. I think asking really broad questions just to learn about what's important to them, what do they value, what what did they what brings them happiness, as you mentioned earlier, really trying to get a broad picture of who they are can be helpful later mm-hmm. on when we're sort of delving in deeper and they're talk where we're really getting granular with the conversation, knowing that information about them as a person and that holistic perspective mm-hmm. makes it easier for you to help them when you get into the weeds because you can step back and you can see it still, whereas sometimes they they lose sight of that when they're going through yeah. the journey.
1: Right. Yeah, I agree with that, Jen. I and I I try to in directing that conversation bucket, if you will, or umbrella um, goals or questions toward um, defining those short or long-term goals as, uh, you know, academic goals, um, professional goals, and then um, well-being or lifestyle goals. And that seems to help um, really tailor their thoughts in terms of um, setting goals in those three umbrella areas, if you will.
0: I think that um, both, both of those responses actually make so much sense. And, and Jen, and, and sorry, Catherine, what you're talking about, right, is you're talking as, as you start to get into mm-hmm. those weeds that Jen right. mentioned,
1: exactly. right, putting
0: them into buckets. And so I think that's so helpful because if you start to say to somebody, so what are your goals? Right. That it is. It's a huge question, just like my question was a huge question. It's a huge question. And it's hard to answer, but it's a lot easier to say, you know, what are what are your goals for, um, you know, what over the next couple of years in terms of uh, your teaching? Right. And, and giving it, putting it in a bucket, then you can start to wrap your head around that a little bit. Um, and I do think that the more people start to define goals for themselves and think about goals, the easier that gets too. So I do think that's a process that improves. Um, so that was super helpful. And then, so I just want to end um, on, you know, so much about mentorship does is really um, rejuvenating, I think, for us. And so I thought we could end with a little bit of that. And so, Jen, I wanted to start with you. And we've touched on this a bit, but what has mentorship given back to you? So what 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 part of it brings you joy or where is that joy? Yes, I, I, you know, I really, I
2: love the relationships, you know, part of why I'm a physician and a teacher and an educator is because I love those relationships. And I gain so much from those relationships as well. And, you know, they do change as I get older, and the students stay the same. (laughs) And, um, you know, that I'm learning more from them, because there is a bigger gap in terms of our worlds. Um, So I really learn a tremendous amount from those relationships. And then, you know, to to have that longitudinal perspective and to watch their successes. And sometimes they become more than just a mentee, they become a colleague, they uh-huh. become a friend, they become a confidant. And sometimes it switches and then uh-huh. they mentor you in ways. That's so true. So I love that progression that you can have on that journey of mentorship. And it just gives me so much joy to see people happy and succeed in what they want to do in life.
0: I I am sure, and I'm sure, Catherine, that you I'm sure you concur. But <laughs> I, I wonder do. if you have any other thoughts about that. What does What does no.
1: mentorship give them back yeah. to you? I, I I second that, Jen. Um, it, it's really the meaningful, long standing relationships with people I admire and respect, and and as Jen said, seeing my mentors and mentees grow and accomplish their goals is is so rewarding, and and that's what brings me joy.
0: That's such a great. Way to end, I think. Catherine and Jen, thank you so much for talking with me today. This was a great conversation about mentoring, and you both definitely brought some inspiration to my day. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you for having us. I'm Lisa Coplett. Thanks for listening, and check out our next podcast in two weeks. I would like to thank the people who contributed to this show, Katie Lyons, our fabulous producer, and David DeRoche, our program director. For more information on other faculty development opportunities at Netter, email Katie K A T I E dot L Y O N S at QU.edu. For more information on all of Quinnipiac's podcasts, visit qu.edu slash podcast. Also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at QU Podcasts.